This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. No matter where you dine, there are some dishes that are uniquely Southern. From red beans and rice and fried chicken to dishes like shrimp and grits, the southern region of the country has a flavor all its own. So today we'll look at some southern dishes that everyone should know how to make. This is according to Southern Living Magazine. Also, we're looking for uniquely southern recipes that come from your kitchen. So give us a call this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show food at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Deborah. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning, Kevin. I am over the top good. Uh, so I woke up this morning, and I guess it was the combination of that beautiful summer rain early in the morning and the sun coming through. I had the most beautiful visual in my bedroom when I first woke up. So that's if you can imagine, the room is full of sunlight, and it looks like tiny little fairies are dancing in the in the light. And mm. I got a chance to take a picture of that. So I'm over the top with that. And of course, you know, I had a really fantastic weekend. We had the book signing at Lemuria on Saturday. Uh, on Friday of this week, I was at Hattiesburg at WDAM, and uh-huh. we did a uh, television interview with them. And also, I got to hang out at um, 105.7, the radio station out there. So it's been a fantastic week. All right. Um, I was in Florida this weekend to see the Blue Angels. Blue Angels. Oh, it was a, a great show. It's amazing uh, how high those planes fly and how fast they go. And <clears throat> on those giant loops that they do, they... What looks to me like they're flying almost straight down, so it's really quite impressive. Uh, although um, my brother and I were going to go to a friend of his house. Uh, he, he has a Bastille Day celebration every July 14th. Okay. So we're going to go. He had made some French food, I think, but we attempted to get off the island to go back on the mainland to uh, the part of Florida where he lives. And <clears throat> we went down one way, and we stopped in traffic, and... It was traffic to where you would sit for 15, 20 minutes at a time without moving. So after really about two hours of that, we tried oh, a, wow. a side road that was still backed up. So we were going to go back the other direction. So I have to go all the way to the end of the island and then turn around and go back west to go back to where he lives near Fort Walton Beach. So we were trying to do that the other way up the island. Same thing, bumper to bumper traffic. So we ended wow. up having to stay home and we had hot dogs, <laughs> which were good, but uh so anyway, Florida's fun, but on the big weekends down there, at least in Pensacola Beach, they have run into a bit of a problem with traffic because that's uh, no one wants to sit in traffic and where's traffic where you're just sitting there not moving for, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time. That can be extremely frustrating. But, yeah, yeah, but once you get there, the it's absolutely the beaches are beautiful. Kevin, well, that's true. So and I mean, I don't want to and in no way would I not go down there because of that, but yeah. you know, and again, this was a big weekend. The Blue Angels have their uh, <clears throat> their uh, show from Pensacola Beach every year around this time, and it's it's gotten to be bigger and bigger and bigger to where the practice days have now basically become you yeah. know full shows. So it was it was really a lot of fun though, and like I said, those uh, those jets are really amazing when you are able to see them like that. So, all right, so uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, southern dishes that everyone should know how to make. Uh, for, this comes from Southern uh, Living, and I think that you made. One of them, or did we? I don't know. What did you make for us? Today? 
Yes. We had red beans and rice, Kevin. Uh, very good. I thought the they were very creamy, and I like the way it it was done. All to, and a lot of times you have to serve up your own rice and then pour the. But I like the way you kind of did it, almost like in casserole fashion, and the the rice was really well done. What sort of rice do you use? Well, believe it or not, Kevin, it's just a traditional rice. Uh, and uh, you know, and I'm a stickler about how rice is cooked. And you don't want to overcook it, and you don't want to undercook it. But when you're when you're serving red beans and rice, you know, one of the biggest parts is not just the beans. You really do want to make sure that your rice is right. So it's just a really simple rice. I've really been trying to perfect basmati rice, and and, and it's a wonderful, wonderful bite. Uh, but you do have to make sure when you're cooking rices that you follow directions that you really, you know. Pay attention. Jasmine rice is also another one of my favorites. I love black rice, Kevin. Uh, you don't see it served a lot because it takes such a long time to cook it. But, yeah, so we did red beans and rice today, and I didn't use the canned beans. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's that traditional soaking the beans for a couple of hours, then rinsing them, and then, you know, cooking them for the next two hours and making sure that the flavor base is, you know, really right. Um and I think I did okay this morning. I love when you when you take that first bite of uh, food. That's why I call you my Monday morning man. <laughs> Kevin takes the first bite of food, and I know when I've got it right because he nods his head, and then there's this slight smile on his face like the Grinch that stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, the, you know, uh, rice can be tricky. It was not sticky at all. It was not crunchy in the least, but very smooth and, like I said, just very creamy. And I thought there was just enough of the sausage there. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times I think the sausage takes over when it's actually called red beans and rice. Right. And so to me, the sausage is sort of a supporting character in the cast. So I thought thought you did a great job. The beans were just absolutely delicious. So, so do you think I can enter the red beans and rice festival maybe next year? What do you think? I don't see why not. <laughs> we might just do that. That would be fun. You'd have to be making... Boatloads of it, though. Ooh, <laughs> yes, I know. But I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities of doing those kinds of events, Kevin. I think it's going to be great. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, southern dishes that everyone should know how to make. This according to uh, Southern Living Magazine, a magazine that's been around for a long, long time. Always lots of great recipes on there as well. Uh, so also, though, uh, you know, what is your favorite go-to southern comfort food? Uh, when you're maybe pressed for time or trying to whip up something real quickly and want something good that you and your family can enjoy, what do you go to uh, when we're talking today about southern dishes? So give us a call. We've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show food at mpbonline.org. Now, as I sort of glance through the list here, I'm not sure I've even eaten everything on the list, much less know how to cook it. Uh, but we'll start at the top of the list fried green tomatoes. Oh, please tell me you've had those. Oh, I, I love fried green tomatoes. <laughs> and as I, I just, I, I've always wondered <clears throat> is is a green tomato one that's not ripe yet, or are there, do you grow green tomatoes? Well, it, green tomatoes technically are tomatoes that have not turned a beautiful red color yet. So you want to pull them off the vine when they still are extremely firm. Uh, and they make such a wonderful, wonderful bite, Kevin. Uh, if you pull them and let them sit for a couple of days, you'll notice that they'll start to turn colors. You'll see these really Peaks, beautiful peaks of, of uh, golden reds and, and oranges kind of show up in your tomatoes. Uh, my mother, the entire spring, every time I go to her house, there's fried green tomatoes. Hmm. And I was like, Mom, you're turning into this movie already. <laughs> 
All right. So you've given one tip already, and that is, again, you know, the, you want the firmness of the green tomato. It, the, it's not ripe yet, but that's part of it because it, the way they cook up. So um, any tips or suggestions on on the, the batter or that you would use? A- absolutely, Kevin. So once you slice the tomatoes, and I like to slice them into nice meaty slices. I don't want them to be too thin because I want to be able to bite into that tomato and really enjoy the bite. You want to create two batters. You want to do uh, a buttermilk wash, and then you want to do a combination of flour and cornmeal. For me, that's normally what I do. And I add your salt and your pepper and whatever. And, of course, you know, I'm always looking for a little heat, so I may, you know, add a little bit of uh, spicy peppers right into that mixture. But once I've battered my tomatoes, the thing that I do, Kevin, before I sear them in in the pan as I put them in the refrigerator anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. You want them nice and chilled before you actually put them in oil. That way you get this really, really crispy, beautiful skin. The tomato will cook through and through. It won't be overly mushy. And you have this really beautiful texture and bite when you're done. Yeah, I think that, <clears throat> uh, to me, part of the uh, attraction is the firmness of it. So that's a good way to make sure that they're nice and, and crispy like that. So, uh, so does the... Um, <clears throat> The buttermilk, I guess it, it it gives something that the other ingredients can cling to when when you do the double dunking, as it were. Does it add a little bit of flavor as well? Oh, of course, the buttermilk is buttermilk will add a little bit of flavor. And one of the things, and you know, and, and it may be redundant that I do this, but I always whip a little egg, one egg, into my buttermilk mixture because both the egg and the buttermilk are coating agencies. So you want to mix those two things together. Add a little salt and pepper actually into my buttermilk as well because you're just you're building flavors as you go. And then the next thing, of course, is to you know fold your tomatoes into your your dry um, batter and, uh, and then you place them in the refrigerator. And I usually use a parchment paper on a cookie sheet and lay them out, put them in the refrigerator, and just let them chill for about 30 minutes before you actually cook them. All right. Let's get one phone call in before our first break. It's our buddy Timothy in Louisiana. Good morning, Tim. How you doing? Good hey, morning, Tim. y'all. Good, Good morning. morning. Red beans and rice. Y'all a little bit early in the day. Last <laughs> <laughs> day in the city. Never too early for Xylico and red beans and rice, Tim. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can you hear us? I don't know. It sounds like we lost him. Yeah. Uh, Tim, if you might give us a call back, I think we lost connection there. We've got some open phone lines ready for your call. <clears throat> the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with more Deep South Dining after this break. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're talking about Southern dishes, the dishes that, according to Southern Living Magazine, every Southerner should know how to cook. So uh, we uh, hope uh, that uh, maybe you will add to our list of the things that you like to cook, your Southern comfort food favorites. Um, what you know? What do you like to serve to your friends and family uh, when it comes to a good Southern meal? The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Also, as we go through the list, if you have some memories, maybe of eating that food growing up or serving it to, to friends and family, or a suggestion on how you could kick up the particular do- a dish a notch, 
As Emerald used to say, you can give us a call as well. Again, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring 877-672-7464. We've got some open phone lines ready to go. The first one on our list we talked about were fried green tomatoes. Uh, Deborah, I think the, the best tip you had there was uh, to... Uh, to chill them a little bit before you try to cook them, make sure they're nice and firm. And I would imagine uh, the frying doesn't really take too long, maybe just a a minute or two on each side to brown them up? At least three minutes on each side, Kevin. And and don't keep moving them around. Like once you put them in there, let them sit for that three minutes and then turn because you don't want to tear that beautiful crispy skin off by moving them too early. Oh, by the way, we had a caller from Biloxi who reminded me that uh, the Blue Angels will have their air show in Biloxi this weekend. So I mentioned that at the top of the hour that I'd seen them in Pensacola. They're on their tour. They tour around the country, I think. So uh, this weekend, if you're interested in seeing them, uh, check it out. They're down there in Biloxi. And again, if you enjoy that sort of thing, uh, these planes are really remarkable. Again, the, the speed that they go at, the precision in which they fly together, and just the ho- uh, as high up in the sky as they fly. It's just absolutely amazing. So uh, they're in Biloxi this weekend if you might want to check that out. Any excuse to go to Biloxi, Kevin. <laughs> when I tell you any excuse, it's like there's butter on sale in the Kroger's in Biloxi. I just want to drive down there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, number two on our list, buttermilk biscuits. Ooh. Now, this is obviously something I've eaten but I don't think I've ever made biscuits from scratch. Oh, my gosh. So I'm telling a funny story. The first time I actually made biscuits from scratch, um, let's just say, Kevin, it was not a pretty sight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it really is. Biscuits, is, it's a really simple southern um, delicacy, but it really is about technique. And it's not, uh, it's really, you know, measuring your, your flour off correctly, adding your, your salt and your... Um, baking soda into your flour and, you know, and sifting it out. And then it's creating that well in the middle and then adding your, um, I like to shave my butter and kind of then just fold it in with my fingers. And then the next thing you want to do is again, create that well and pour your buttermilk in. And then with your fingers, just gently little by little fold it in until you have this really beautiful tacky dough. And then you want to take that dough out and, uh, put it on a um, baking board that's been floured really well and then fold and knead until you have just the perfect texture. Roll it out. And uh, if you're from the country, you get a glass and you cut it out. <laughs> if you don't have, uh, you know, biscuit cutters, you just use a glass. And uh, my grandmother would use the top off the mason jar, the one with the hole in the middle, and she would use that for a cutter. And Or... This is really going to take you back. She would literally take an old can that, you know, you've had corn or something in and cut both ends off. And so then you would take the one end and press it into the dough. And then you just be able to press it right out from the other end. And so, you know, always being creative in the kitchen. But buttermilk biscuits is just one of those classic things that... Uh, everybody really should learn how to make. It's a great way to get kids to get their hands in. It's like playing with putty. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I like touching food. So, you know, it's it's that whole thing about folding your bread dough and making it really beautiful and fluffy. And the last time I made biscuits, what I've, what I've learned to do is make layers and layers and layers in my biscuits by literally it's the technique of folding and then refolding before you press it, lightly press it out and then cut it. And it's that a little brush of butter before I put them in the oven, just a sprinkle of salt right on the top of those biscuits. And you put them in the oven, 
make sure the oven's at about 400 degrees in temperature because if it's a little less, you won't get that perfect rise that you're looking for. Uh, and temperatures are important when you're cooking. You know, um, for a long time, I thought the only temperature on the oven was 350 <laughs> degrees. But you want to be able to make sure that you're reading your recipes and reading your instructions. And then we have some absolutely wonderful, these recipes that we're talking about today, you can find them all really in my Delicious Mississippi Life cookbook and especially the buttermilk biscuits. And then I think we have a recipe in there for green onion buttermilk biscuits, Kevin, that are just absolutely delightful. You know, you were talking about the making the well reminded me of there used to be a show on the Food Network, uh, the old Italian lady who made her own pasta. And it was a similar thing there where she would have the the flour and then she used to make a with the eggs, similar thing where there was a well. And so that's kind of reminded me of that where you're that's how you begin to mix together the dry and the wet ingredients. Um, Also, um, can you make whole wheat biscuits? You can absolutely. You can use uh, whole wheat flour to and use use the same technique. It's just the different, you know, between uh, the flour that's been you know processed or in your whole wheat flour. Absolutely. All right. My way to make biscuits, unfortunately, is pull the wrapper off, smack it on the side of the thing. Hey, not a bad deal, Kevin. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the whole thing about for me, uh, you know, uh, with hospitality and food, even if you take those shortcuts, it's it's the idea that you cooked a meal. And you're sitting down with friends and family, everything, you don't have to do it from scratch. That's just something that I love doing, but you don't have to. But it's always the the whole idea about entertaining. And I will say, too, that the um, <clears throat> I can't remember what company but it is. One of the companies does have a frozen biscuit that is, uh, to me, is actually pretty good where it's one of those just kind of heated up in the in the oven. So if you're pressed for time, that might be. Uh, but, you know, I've not made biscuits. But to me, again, that sounds like a lot of fun because. I don't know if adventure in the kitchen sounds a little oh, too whatever, but, yeah, you know, as you said, you get to get your hands in there and, you know, really. Pretend like you're Chef Bardee, you know, <laughs> get you an, an accent, you know, get in the kitchen and have fun and make it fun and not be so serious. It's a time to relax and be a kid and just have a really great time. Uh, we've got uh, Jesse on the line from Mobile. Good hey, morning, Jesse. Good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. Good. What do you have for yeah, us? The can you were making mention of. Previously, typically was a tuna can. Okay. It wasn't anything big. can be kept in the drawer, made it about the right size. And as my mom always told my sister, the difference between biscuits and rolls, one, you work the dough a lot, one, you barely touch the dough. Mm-hmm. Thus giving you all the flaky layers. Exactly. So I guess it depends on whose kitchen you were in with whose can you got. <laughs> as long as you get those biscuits cut. And some people don't use a can at all. You know, it's just being able to tear off a piece of that dough and rolling it out. And I've seen, you know, that done where they're using their hands to form the dough. And I think the whole point of using a cutter or a can is that you're looking for the consistency of size. But sometimes yep. you just want that great taste. I don't care what they look like. <laughs> All yeah, right, when she uh, didn't use a can, she just made a grid on her flat, and you had square biscuits when they came out. Oh, wow. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Hey, Jesse, thanks, uh, thanks for the call. Jesse. Nice memories there. And, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with him, though. If you're going to go the can route, I think the tuna can would yeah. be better because it's a little slimmer. And you, as he said, you can stick it in the drawer when you're done with it and, and use it over and over again. Speaking of Jesse, I want to say thank you. Uh, there was one of our listeners, really wonderful young man. His name is Jesse. And he showed up at the book signing on Saturday. Uh, when I tell you just a huge blessing. So if you're listening this morning, I'm still happy. Thank you so much for showing up. 
Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Off to Fairhope, Alabama this time. Bob's on the line. Good morning, Bob. Hey, Bob. Good morning. How are you all doing? Fantastic. How are you? Well, well, thank you. Um, I had a, a group of 10 people over yesterday, and we made homemade pasta. And your comment earlier brought about a historical question that we all had. We live in Fairhope, and there isn't decent bread within 50 miles of here. And I'm wondering, is that not uh, – are yeast breads not a, a southern tradition? Are they all quick bread, sort of cornbread and biscuit kind of traditions? Well, actually, no. There are a few restaurants around town, and usually what is happening now, probably more in your mom and pop kind of places, uh, you will find uh, some restaurants, some smaller restaurants that are still, you know, doing um, yeast breads. Uh, but a lot of times I think it's because of the demand of um, the the crowds that you've got to feed during the course of the day. So if you're feeding, you know, two, three, and 400 people a day, a lot of times people are looking for um, sometimes a quicker way to, to get their, their guest fed. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. I build a wood-fired oven, so I'm going to be making my own, but we were all curious as to why we couldn't find good bread. Well, you just need to come to Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the problem is Alabama. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right, uh, Bob. Hey, if if you have some success with your your bread oven there, give us a call back. Let us know how things are going. We'd like to definitely hear from you again. We've got some open phone lines ready for your call. We're talking today about the southern dishes that everyone should know how to make, according to Southern Living Magazine. Magazine. And we're asking you, what are your southern favorites, the comfort foods uh, from the south that you like to cook when you know you have to have a good meal ready to go for friends and family? The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show food at mpbonline.org. So number three on our list is something that I will not have because I do not like sweet or I don't like tea. Oh, my so God. So the classic sweet tea. Uh, so you know we're about to get a divorce, right? <laughs> this this is really grounds for divorce, Kevin. What Southern person says is sweet tea is the wine of the South, Kevin. I mean, it is just one of those drinks that really is synonymous with the term Southern bell. I mean, it's one of those things you want to do, whether it's uh, late in the evening or at brunch. It's just kind of very sophisticated to have a glass of sweet tea with whatever you're doing. So, um, But I have seen that uh, you can actually brew tea out on your back porch, I believe, it's right? It's called sun brew tea. And uh, it was something, uh, Kevin, that the first time I ever remember seeing that, my grandmother um, – took the water and put in this beautiful glass jar that had a lid on it. And she put the tea bags along the side and screwed the jar on. And she just set it outside in the sun. And uh, of course she added, you know, the sugar in the water and just set it outside in the sun. And it was several hours later around dinner time. She went and got the jar out and, you know, put the ice cubes in the glass and poured it up. And it was the best tea ever. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the magic of the sun, but it is really fantastic tea. So, and it doesn't, uh, you can have that done in an afternoon then? I mean, it doesn't take long to steep? You know, you probably want to sit it out early in the morning. And usually by the time the sun is at high noon, it's very, very hot. And of course, you know, here in Mississippi, it's easily in the high 90s. Uh, what is it? A couple of days this week, it felt like it was like in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this really wonderful brew tea. And it's really just a wonderful way to create memories for your family. But it's also, you know, a great way not to turn on the stove one more time. <laughs> 
Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we got a couple calls on the line. So we'll get to Paige and Thomas after this break. We're also looking for your phone call this morning during Deep South Dining. We're talking about southern dishes that everyone should know how to make. What's your go-to southern comfort food? The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number, it's one 672 7464 Back with more of the show after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today we're talking about the southern dishes that everyone should know how to make according to Southern Living Magazine. We're also asking for your favorite uh, southern comfort foods that you like to go to when you know you've got to whip up a good meal. The number to call if you'd like to join our conversation, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring The number is one 672 7464. Back to the phone lines we go. Paige has called in from Ocean Springs this morning. Hey, good morning, Paige. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I had a question for you. Uh, growing up, my mother was born in, in Biloxi. She was born and raised here. And she took the biscuits and she would flatten them on a griddle on the top of the stove. And she called them galettes. Is that something, I don't know if it's a Biloxi thing or if it's something she learned somewhere else. My dad was military, so I, I'm not sure where she picked that up. Had you ever heard of galette? Um, only on Green Acres. <laughs> 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 I mean, as soon as you said that, I thought about this one episode where Zsa Zsa Gavor used um, the... Um, what was it called? Something from the inside of a car, and she used it to create griddle cakes. But no, I've never, I've never heard of it. Oh. She called them dollettes. Yes, dollettes. G a l l e. Gallets. Yes, gallets. And she, it was like I said, it was biscuit dough, and she would put butter in the pan, and she would put the biscuit on there and flatten it out. And now it that definitely essence, sounds like something that would be French Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. That's what we had with our red beans and rice. Yeah, um, we'll it sounds. Yeah, it say. sounded like that. Yeah, it sounds very Cajun there with that uh, the the name of the thing. So uh, ah, could be. Yeah, yeah and, you know, there's my that... grandfather was Cajun, so that maybe okay. where he got it from. I bet you. I bet you that's what it is. Well, thank you so it much. It sounds like it would be good. really, really yummy. So, is the bread really it crispy is. when when it's done? Yeah. Oh, it's crispy on the outside, but not like it doesn't have like a a fried fried you mm-hmm. know flavor to it. It's it's really good. Um, All right, Paige. Thanks for your call this morning. Go ahead. You're welcome. I missed the name of your cookbook. What was the name of it? My Delicious Mississippi Life. Ah, thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, doll. Uh, Let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Thomas, who's called in from Philadelphia. Good morning, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Good morning. Well, let me just say, I grew up the youngest of four four grandchildren. I'm about seven years younger than everybody. So, you know. No one ever wanted to play with me. So I was that sounds like a spoiled baby in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always in the kitchen with my, you know, my grandparents or my mom, whoever, during the holidays. So I always picked up how to cook and whatever. So I have to say I'm one of the good cooks in our family. But You can say the old, best cooks. It's okay. <laughs> and so the last few summers, this is my first summer home in a while, I used to work in Wisconsin at a summer camp. And uh, whenever I'd get up there, I wouldn't really be too homesick, I, but I would always miss the food. And most of the people that I worked with were from Europe or Australia. They, were, they weren't American. 
and um, and they were all about wanting to try American foods. And I was the only person at this camp who was from the deep south. You know, there's people like from Missouri, and they called themselves Southern, but you know, <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and one night, like a group of friends, like we all went in and went grocery shopping. I told them what to buy, and and uh, I made a big meal. I did, you know, I did um, fried chicken. I made corn. I did everything: cornbread, chicken, and dumplings. Oh wow! Uh, they had never had peach cobbler, and and like you, I'm not a big sweet tea drinker either. So <laughs> I, and I took my hand at that to try to make that and see if they liked it. So, and that was just my little thing of, of getting back home. And I had, uh, and I actually ordered some bluebell ice cream. I couldn't buy it. So I, I ordered it. It's nothing, so, it's nothing like, um, you know, being able to share cultural experiences with other people. And what I find out, uh, Thomas, a lot of times too, with Southern cookings, a lot of those tastes really translate, uh, from other cultures, and so mm-hmm. people are surprised at some of the similarities. Uh, but Southern food truly is what I call uh, great comfort food. So, mm-hmm. what did, what did your guests think about the Southern meal? Oh, they loved it. They had never had like baked mac and cheese, like where you you know <laughs> make a real thick mac and cheese and you put it in the oven with like a crunchy top. They never had that, and uh, they had all had fried chicken, of course, but like they had never had it like buttermilk soaked and then done in a little bit of oil stovetop like pan fried mm-hmm. ain't nobody like southerners baby i could hear ghost on going what is this <laughs> mac and cheese oh my god <laughs> hey thomas well, uh, loved it. great call and uh not only the your southern culinary skills uh but the best southern hospitality as well so thanks Absolutely. for the story good to hear from you let's uh, move on next bill's called in from greenwood good morning bill hey bill how y'all doing? Uh, I got some maple syrup. Very expensive. I bought it um, back when it was cold, and uh, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to refrigerate it. I had refrigerated it before, and it didn't turn out too good. But anyway, I left it out, and when it got hot, it just developed mold on the top. So what do I do? Do I throw it out, or can I skim the mold off? What what, what would you do? Oh, wow. Um I don't really know what to tell you with that. Um, I would probably not use it um, just for safety's sake. You don't want to, you know, digest any bacteria or something. Even if you're skimming the top, you really don't know how it may have uh, diluted the the maple syrup itself. Um, Um, Did a quick uh, Google search. Let me see what... um Hang on one second. Don't uh, mess with Bill. Last week, an uninvited guest showed up for breakfast as I poured maple syrup on my son's waffles. Pop, a perfect dime-sized fungus colony spilled out to crown the waffle like a malevolent pat of butter. Uh, go on, let's see. Well, actually, I found I found a little something from okay. the uh, maple <laughs> from the Maple uh, Syrup Association, I believe this is. Uh, if it's a uh, if any harmless mold, and I see this is where it gets in a gray area because exactly. you don't know if this mold what kind it is or whatnot. But it said if it's a harmless mold, you could bring the syrup to a slight boil and then just skim the surface, and then you pour it into a clean, a different clean container uh, just to get that that mold off the off the top of it but like i said the gray area is we don't know what kind of mold it is so, so <laughs> well, for, you know it's been sealed up and it's just when it got warm weather it just started to to, to bloom on the top floating on the top a little white mold 
for safety's sake, Bill, just, you know, and this is just me. I know that, you know, maple syrup is really, really expensive. And I yes, mean, this was really expensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. for safety's sake, because nothing is worth your health, I would probably <laughs> call this a, a loss. And, um, yeah. Or, or, Bill, do you have a neighbor that you don't really get along with that well? Oh, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas gift for mother-in-law, right? That's terrible. No, Just no, terrible. No. <laughs> I, you know, I wish my mama was here. My mama wouldn't know what to do because I think it happened to her before, and I don't know what she did. Maybe she did like the guy said. He boiled it and then skimmed it off. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you try it, that does sound like that would work. Yeah, so, all right. Well, Bill, if I, but if you were going to do, if you're going to do that, Bill, one of the things I would probably do is get some cheesecloth first and pour the syrup through the cheesecloth yes, before before you actually decide to seize it up in a boiler. That way, you you kind of relieve most of the bacteria mold, and it'll catch it in the cheesecloth. All right, Bill. Thanks for the call. Good luck. Hope uh, things work out well for you. He, right, you're right. Real maple syrup is very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good, but it's 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 real expensive. So it must. Cost a lot, run around smacking them trees, getting them good. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, we've been talking today about uh, some southern dishes that everyone should know how to make, according to Southern Living Magazine. We've talked about fried green tomatoes, buttermilk biscuits, classic sweet tea. Next on our list, high society deviled eggs. And again, I think this is one that I will never get to experience because I'm not a big fan of boiled eggs. Oh, wow. I, I wow. like scrambled eggs. I can now even learn to eat. Uh, fried eggs, but um, you, you got to draw the line somewhere. Kevin, I'm really, I really don't <laughs> want to divorce you. I mean, you know, we've been together so long, babe. I mean, it's just getting hard. But, but this is definitely one of those classic e- southern dishes. Devil eggs is just one of those things. If you notice, you bring a tray of devil eggs out, and usually most trays fit about 24 eggs, and like in three minutes, they're all gone. But I, and, and so it's a, it's a high society way of being able to have your pinky finger out. <laughs> <laughs> Why you're eating something so devilish, right? It's just one of those treats we love. But basically, this is a boiled egg, and then you pretty much mash up the yolk with other ingredients. It, exactly. It's it's a boiled egg. And so, super quick trick for anybody that's boiling eggs, and you got to boil a lot of eggs, and you just don't want to peel them, find you a jar. A mason jar will do just fine. Once your eggs are boiled, let them cool for just a bit. Put your eggs in the mason jar. Put the lid back on and just give it a nice shake, and the pills come right off. Now, I will say I don't like deviled eggs, but I like the look. I do like the way the yolk, you know, and when you put usually paprika or something in there. So that's one of those I wouldn't eat it, but if someone brought it, I would certainly admire how nice it looked on the table. They are beautiful. And then there are so many things that you can do with deviled eggs. You know, you have the lobster deviled eggs. You have shrimp added in. You have chicken added in. And, you, of course, you have the traditional where you just cream the yolk and you may add a little bit of, you know, mayo and paprika. Some people actually like to add a tiny bit of sweet pep- uh, pickles in, mm-hmm. and and you create a little salt and pepper, and you scoop it back into, you know, each half of uh, the the egg white itself that's been firmly boiled, and you've got that little beautiful center right in the middle. Mm. Now with me, Kevin, I have a double egg that we do and we stand the whole egg straight up and it sits on the bottom and we fill it with chicken salad, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, But I think devil eggs are just absolutely, you know, beautiful, nice little bite. So the, the, Boiled egg filled with chicken salad. Yes. That's which came first, the chicken or the egg. Which came first. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
Before our next break, we're going to talk to Jim from Madison. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Um, for This is for Bill with the moldy uh, maple syrup. Yes. I think he should take it to his local Mississippi State Extension Service office, and I'll bet they can tell him if the mold is good or bad. All right. Absolutely. Very good thought, Jim. Great. Thanks for Thank the you. suggestion there. So, Bill, if you're still listening, that is a good idea. Bring it by your local uh, county agent's office, and uh, that's what those folks have been trained for. So you probably get some uh, information, and you'll know for sure whether you can uh, boil it out of there. I do like your uh, um, thought of the cheesecloth because, again, if there's little smaller spores that might not be seen, that would they would collect there, and you would really get all of the impurities out of there. Yeah, but the, the, the thing about food safety, though, Kevin, is you really have to be very, very careful because you know uh, we there are so many new bacterias and foodborne allergens that are created. You know, and you don't want to again digest something that may cause you some long term problems. So just it's, it's better to be safe than to be sorry. Uh, let's get one call in before our last break, and it goes to our friend Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Hey, Kathleen. Oh, good morning, guys. <laughs> I'm trying to get some air and breathe out here. The air's so thick, I'd borrow one of your kitchen knives and cook. <laughs> Listen, uh, we're all kidding around, but uh, in any case of food, if there's any question at all, it's in the line of safety. Because I'll tell you, you've ever worked with the public, you cannot do that even if it's a particle it could be in the liquid mm-hmm. it's very difficult but um i was going to suggest any country cooking would have to be from new orleans would if you would be fixing a chicken creole very simple very simple and this time you've got all kinds of fresh tomatoes you can make it up fresh rough chuck uh chop some onion some celery um and if you have any tomatoes fresh Chop them up, saute them with a little butter, a dash of kitchen bouquet, and then you, uh, I cook my chicken ahead of time by the case. I always cook um, leg size or whatever, and I freeze it, so I always have chicken on hand. I take about six chicken legs or six chicken thighs, slightly brown them, you know, warm them up, put them in, add one can of puree and one can of uh, sauce. And you just let them simmer for a little while. Uh, the trick is toward the end, I put in about a half a cup of grated Parmesan cheese and a little sugar. And uh, it gives it that high acid flavor, a little richer red, and then the, um, the taste of the Parmesan cheese. And I eat it over rice like a true Frenchie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Kathleen, uh, thanks for your call. Yeah. Let's take uh, one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. Today we're talking about... Southern dishes that everyone should know how to make, according to Southern Living Magazine. Back to wrap up East South Dining after this last break. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. When a random loan check comes in the mail, do you cash it? They mailed the check in the mail, and I wasn't going to cash it. And then my truck broke down, and I had to have it fixed, and I, that was the only you know, way to get my truck out of the shop. Some Americans say they see no other choice, but they end up in a web of repayments, fees, and fines. Next time on The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI, Public Radio International. Today at 2 on MPB Think Radio. 
You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email food at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We've been talking today about some of the southern dishes that everyone should know how to make, according to Southern Living Magazine. Got a couple more on the list that we can get to, uh, but we've got a caller on the line first. So it's uh, Florence in on the line from Natchez. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. When, you, when I make deviled eggs, by the time I put some ingredients in there, there's always more of the yolk mixture left than I need for the whites of the eggs. Do you have any creative ideas of what to do? with the leftover yolk mixture. If you put it on the egg, it's too much and it just falls off. So what's something else you can do with it? Well, it you know, it's such a wonderful bite in and of itself. So usually if I have too much of the yolk mixture uh, leftover, I'll find a really small uh, serving bowl. And I will just kind of add a little bit of, uh, and this is going to really get you, a little bit of cream cheese in there, blend it in really, really well, and create a dip with it. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. And it doesn't hurt to add tiny little bites of um, cocktail shrimp in that as well, Kevin, just to, you know, kind of create a, a little dip on the side. So That's very good. That's a, that's a nice creative idea. And that um, you could serve that along with them and, you know, then with the crackers or whatever people could dip in there if they didn't get enough. Because as you mentioned... The, uh, the 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 deviled eggs themselves aren't going to last very long because I oh yeah they don't as much as I don't like them I I do know that especially that that's always something that goes very quickly in a children luck. tend to really love them you'll see little kids running by you know and grabbing two or three of them and uh, and I think they call them devil eggs because if you notice you'll find you know women standing around talking and you'll high society gossip <laughs> is a great time to have a deviled egg. <laughs> Uh, next on our list is Gulf Coast Shrimp and Grits. And I will say uh, I learned to eat grits by eating shrimp and grits because didn't eat grits as a child growing up or anything. Um, my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law's sister used to make shrimp and grits for uh, during the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, so the years I was going there, I got used to eating them really good. <clears throat> but this is really another true southern dish. Shrimp and grits is one of those comfort foods, Kevin. If I'm having a day... I don't know. It's just like sunshine in a bowl. And with me, it is really uh, choosing the right kind of grit to serve with that. Some people like really, really coarse grits with their shrimp and grits. I'm not real. That's not really one of my favorite bites. I actually truly like using traditional grits and because I like the softness and the creaminess of the bite. It's getting that sauce right, though, with your shrimp and grits that you really want to do. And again, if you're looking for a great recipe, we've got one in my delicious Mississippi life. All right. Um, and that's the other thing that's good about grits is it's a good starter that you can add all kind of cheese grits, garlic grits, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that you could add on to it to kind of. Again, kick up the flavor if you were making uh, some shrimp and grits. Or, you know, again, grits is on their own. Uh, 
works as well and certainly is another Southern uh, delicacy. But, you know, when you think about just great Southern food, Kevin, there's so many things to think about. Everything from corn pudding to uh, mashed potatoes. You've got sour cream uh, pound cheesecake, I mean cake, and you've got fried chicken, and it's uh, that chicken and dumplings. Peach cobbler is one of my favorite. And most Southern women really, you know, you want to talk about a Sunday morning conversation, is that caramel cake on Sunday, Kevin. So they're just, it's so many wonderful things that, you know, we really claim as Southerners. And the and between from uh, Louisiana to Alabama, there's this whole conversation. I feel like the best flat, uh, flavor palettes in the world uh, you can find in those areas. Uh, you know, caramel cake I love because usually it's the very thin layers. And so uh, to me, when you see a caramel cake with all those thin, you know, eight thin layers, it's always a very impressive cake to me. And uh, one of my favorite cakes for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> one, of the, uh, one item on here sounds good. Again, I've never had, and that's crispy and dewy hush puppies. Oh, we're going to go to New Orleans for sure, Kevin. That is definitely something that is uh, a New Orleans favorite. You can easily go to several restaurants down there and find that. A lot of seafood restaurants, even in the Biloxi area, it wouldn't be difficult to find. Uh, but uh, I do love a, a good hush puppy. To me, it goes along really well when you're especially um, fried fish, you know, to have the hush puppies along there. Uh, really, really good. Um, old school squash casserole. So you're talking about beautiful spring squash, those beautiful bright yellow squash, Kevin, some uh, fresh onions, some bell pepper. You want to cook those uh, onions and bell pepper down just a little bit. You want to caramelize those onions. You want to make sure you're, uh, for me, I like to cut my bell pepper up in tiny little bites. And then once they're done, you want to put your squash in there. Then you want to have your eggs scrambled really well, Kevin. You want to put your eggs on, and then there's always that uh, cheese that you're going to add in that, and then you want to bake that casserole off. It's just absolutely delicious. And we talked uh, last week, I think it was, how uh, uh, versatile squash and zucchini can be a lot of fun things that you can do. Uh, I think when we were talking about uh, food on the grill, we had mentioned uh, the, the, the squashes and the zucchinis are very good. Uh, here's another one that I'm not sure of. Cheese puffs with ham salad. Um, yeah. A cheese puff to me is like a Cheeto. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it could be, but no, ch- cheese puffs really are just these wonderful little light bites, almost kind of bready bites, doughy bites full of cheese. You serve them warm. They're really delicious. And, of course, you know what ham salad is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a classic thing. But one of my favorites that's on this list today, Kevin, my mother makes the best banana pudding oh, in the world. I was going to say, yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. And, and uh Although <clears throat> I like the <clears throat> when the um, <clears throat> excuse me the uh, vanilla wafers have to be mushy. Oh, you like them when they've gotten nice and soft when they've set a little bit in the pudding. Now the thing that I don't like is when um, the bananas start to turn brown because you've let. So one of the things that I do, Kevin, is I actually caramelize my bananas before I put them in my pudding. So you have this really beautiful caramelized banana in the pudding itself. And if I'm just doing a quick pudding and I don't you know, want to do that, just squeeze a little bit of uh, lemon juice over your banana so that they won't turn brown. Because that, for me, that's always a little bit you know, off-putting. Yeah, and to me, it's interesting. So I liked the vanilla wafers when they get mushy, but I, to me, 
the bananas still need to be a little bit firm. The mushy bananas, I'm not sure. I like the the firmness of the of the banana and the banana pudding. So do you like the cooked banana pudding the old-fashioned way, or do you like the instant banana pudding? Uh, I think I probably like the old-fashioned way because uh, I think when you cook together, that gives flavors a chance to, to kind of blend in together more. Ah, so is there anybody out there that likes it cooked better than they do instant? Call in and let us know. And again, though, I will say, not that I'm going to refuse any sort of <laughs> banana pudding. <laughs> Here's another one, classic skillet cornbread. Oh, yeah. And you're saying, you know, what what good southern kitchen doesn't have a, a good uh, cast iron skillet there? You know, and I, you know, Kevin, I've, I've got cast iron skillets from hand size big enough to put a whole turkey in. I think every kitchen needs to have ca- a cast iron skillet. But um, to be able to, um, it's just something about the, the look of the finished product. I just swear it tastes better cooked in a cast iron skillet. Well, and also you have used them very well in presentation. I know you brought yours in a couple of times, uh, so they work. That that dark color, I think, goes well to really highlight the food that's in there. That's going to wrap us up for today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Deborah Hunter, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.